0: This episode of Scale is sponsored by our alumni founding partner, Manuel Oblitas, co-founder of VND. VND is a software development, IT, and server hosting company based in San Antonio, Texas. VND is dedicated to finding efficiency through technology. They create solutions such as advanced web dashboards, mobile apps, and private clouds to see their client's vision become a reality. VND is not a typical software firm. Their advantage, running managed IT and data center operations. Doing so provides a multi-pronged approach that lives up to their motto. With tech, anything is possible. So whether you're looking to launch a new app idea or SaaS service, need advanced help on AWS or WordPress complex programming, or need to virtualize your office into the cloud, contact VND. Visit vndx.com for more. Hello, and welcome to Scaled, the Latino business story. I'm Elian Zavodivker, Director of Engagement at LBAN, the Latino Business Action Network.
1: And I'm Julie Calantigua, Slayer alum, Go Cohort 10, and the founder and CEO of LWC Studios.
0: On this show, we talk to Latino business leaders who have grown their companies to $1 million or more in annual gross revenue. Our guests share their stories and business insights with us, and together we explore the state of Latino entrepreneurship and unpack the world-class research coming out of LBAN.
1: Our guest today is Laura Oldaker from the Oldaker Group and the Academy for Caregiving Excellence. She's a Slate Ed alum, like me, and she and her team are taking on the senior caregiving industry.
0: When I first met Laura during the Slate Ed scaling program, I could immediately tell that she has this hunger for learning. And it wasn't surprising that she focused so much of her business on training and workforce development as she started to grow the company out.
1: And that is so smart, (laughs) especially following the Great Recession, especially following how many people have really evaluated whether the work that they're doing is fulfilling them. So, so smart. And she's also doing it in an industry that is desperate for reinvention, So I just appreciated so much of what she had to share with us, um, specifically how candid she was about her own journey and how in recognizing opportunities, she might have missed some. She took advantage of many of them, but each one turned out to be an important lesson that ultimately helped her grow her company.
0: Okay, here's our conversation with Laura Oldacre.
1: I'm so excited
2: to be here. My name is Laura Oldacre. I am the CEO of Academy On Demand and a couple of other companies that I'll share about a little bit uh, through the conversation.
1: I want to ask you this. You went into an industry which we now recognize is booming and is actually experiencing a shortage of workers, right? Which is the adult care industry. And through the pandemic, the world got to see how vital these services to this population in particular are. How did you get into adult care industry? I and mean, then how did you expand outward?
2: When I was 16, 17, I started out as a caregiver and as a nursing assistant. I could make a little money and uh, pay to go to college. I was undocumented, so I couldn't you know, receive any financial assistance. So caregiving, it was for me, and uh, I did it throughout my whole life. I really loved it. And so later in life, in th- back in 2008, after I had gotten out of media communications, if I go back to tell you my whole story, I've had like 12 different careers. Uh, <laughs> entrepreneurship is my very last career and the one that I'm sticking with. Um, you found yourself so, <laughs> finally. So coming, <laughs> I found it, yes. Yes. <laughs> So when my husband and I were, were uh, doing property investments and we were flippers, right? Like the flippers that you see like on TV, we were buying properties, fixing them up and flipping them. Mm-hmm. And then the 2008 market crash came. We lost everything. We had properties that totaled up to like almost $4 million and pretty much overnight when the market crashed, we lost everything. So I had a friend who called me, she was a caregiver and said, hey, I know that you need a job and I have a job for you. Do you want to do caregiving again? And I said, absolutely. I took a job as a caregiver. My husband took a job as a construction worker. But when I came back into the industry, Many years later, I realized that there was such a need. This, I don't know if you guys remember, this is back in 2008 is when the news were reporting in the, in the next three years, all of the baby boomers are going to start to reach retirement age. And 10 million a year are retiring. Exactly. So I saw that as an opportunity because it was something that I loved. And I saw how it was being done at the time, which to me was unacceptable. And so I thought I could do it better. Like we can start a company like with that actually has a heart that, you know, can do a good job. And so that's how my business by your side, Senior Care, was born, Mm -hmm. which was a home care agency. We hired caregivers, trained them, and then we sent them to care for older adults in their home. Uh, Many years later, we started to notice that everybody in the industry was struggling to find employees. So we thought, okay, let's hire individuals that we were at the grocery line and we'd see somebody who had a really good personality. We'd give them our business cards and say, hey, do you want to do you like to take care of, um, you know, people around you? You know, you could be good for this job. And so we got this workforce that didn't have the skills, but had the heart. And we trained them and gave them the skills. I just remember think outside the box. Where's the pain? Where's the opportunity? And we and we came up with Academy for Caregiving Excellence, which was a school that trains caregivers for our competitors.
0: I want you to talk a little bit more. You're bringing up what's called concentric diversification. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is?
2: Yes, the term concentric diversification is basically where you stay in this in a certain industry, in your industry, but then you diversify, meaning you look for other opportunities within your industry that kind of feed off each other. The interesting thing is that I had no idea. I like, I didn't know that term even existed because what we did is we just kind of were looking at where the need was. And as the, as we continue to do that exercise, right? So which is where's the pain, where's the opportunity? We expanded to other programs in healthcare, nursing assistant phlebotomy. So the Academy was then a feeder of employees for By Your Side Senior Care. We sold our company, By Your Side, in 2018. Right. But then, now we have this healthcare workforce that people need. And we also launched Above All Health Services and we partner with another Latina women business owner. And we are executing, now we have a state contract to provide vaccinations to the state of Arizona. We also um, expanded and we opened a, an assisted living facility. Compared to like all the other assisted living facilities in Arizona, which there's over 2,500 of them, we never struggle to find staff because we have the academy. So we have a feeder. It's like the perfect symbiotic relationship between our businesses
1: this episode of scale is sponsored by our alumni founding partner jacqueline reese founder of fig factor media fig factor media is an international minority and woman-owned publishing company dedicated to celebrating authors they're highly experienced in marketing and pr event production and creative product development Because it's their primary focus, Fig Factor Media will ignite your career as an author, harnessing their deep experience and creativity to transform your mission into a movement. Fig Factor Media specializes in anthologies, business, and children's books, and has published over 1,000 Latino authors worldwide. Let Fig Factor Media help you define your passion and have an impact on the next generation with your unique story. If you're ready to bring your book to life, visit figfactormedia.com. That's figfactormedia.com.
0: It seems entrepreneurship comes to you naturally. You found this spot that your phone must be ringing nonstop with, with staffing shortages and, and kind of this rising need. But I want to talk about on the funding side, because it seems like everything's coming together. But I'm sure at the beginning there were some issues getting funding. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that was what was the personal risk that you had to put in? who came in to, to help you really boost the company when it was needed?
2: When we first started the original business, there was no funding. We remember we had just lost everything. our credit was trashed. yeah, we had nothing, so when you need it, unfortunately, you can 't go to the banks when you don 't have you know a solid credit history, um, and we had just lost all these properties. so we actually started the company with one employee, which was me, one client. And so we basically expanded from that. When we had got another client, then we hired another employee. So it was really, we financed it. We took my husband's, uh, Justin is his name, by the way, we took my husband's paycheck from his construction company and we used it to pay payroll, you know, for our employees at the company. So all of it was financed by us. My first loan that I received probably a year after we started and it was by a CDFI and that finally said okay, I know you're a startup and you know you you have a year of experience. I can lend you something like $8,000. And uh, <laughs> so, but we took the $8,000 and, you know, we put it into marketing. We felt that was the ble- best place to put it, you know, into marketing so we could grow. And as we hired more people, we just kept growing. And when we sold the company in uh, in 2018, we had 75 employees. And uh, so we grew it to... Wow. In- wait,
1: wait, wait, wait. Stop the process. <laughs> I know that this is just history to you, but let's just do a quick recap. Ladies and gentlemen, we went from... From employee number one, Laura, to paying the next employee out of Justin's paycheck from his construction job to an exit where we sold the company with 75 employees. I mean, come on, people. (laughs) Give this woman a round Uh of applause. (laughs) So, Laura, I want to pick up on something really smart that you said, which is you get this... $8,000 loan and you have to make a decision about how to spend those limited funds and you put it into marketing. Can you talk through strategically when you had limited finances, how did you prioritize where to spend the finances that you did have?
2: Thank you for asking that question because it's something that is not kind of talked about very often. I actually have a little bit of experience in in media sales. When I was in media, I had a good understanding of the impact that marketing has on your business, the right marketing when you know exactly um, where to put your advertising dollars. So I had that background and I understood that business owners cut marketing first, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, the worst thing to do because then how are you going to make the sales to get back to on your feet? So marketing is the one thing where you should double down when sales are low or money is tied, invest in marketing because you're still getting the phone, the phone to ring. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing. Marketing and sales are the lifeblood of the organization. Without that, there's no organization. How do, you, how do you pay your
0: bills? When we look at something that happened just over two years ago, which is this pandemic, COVID-19, obviously for the industry that you're in, very affected. Can you tell us the challenges there? What did you have to overcome during that tough time?
2: So one of the things that we're really proud of now, in retrospect, right before the pandemic hit, So we're always asking the question of like, what could we be doing better? How can we innovate? So right before the pandemic, we took all of our classes and we turned them into a hybrid program. We still required people to be here because that's a state requirement, but everything was online. So they'd come in, they'd log on to the computer and they would take the course practically at their pace, that took our passing rates from the low 80s to 96% almost overnight. Wow. It was just insane. I want to say it was late 2019 when we did this. Then the pandemic hit. All the schools had to close their doors because they weren't ready. We never had to close. We never had to skip a beat because everything was already. All we had to do is push a button and we're online.
1: Can you talk a little bit about some other decisions that now, in hindsight, you're thinking, oh, shouldn't have done that, should have done that, shouldn't have turned that down. And then what what the lesson was for you in terms of what you want your business to be moving forward. Yeah,
2: I, I actually can think of exactly uh, when that happened. My friend with a vaccination contract called me. I want to say it was in 2021, early 2021, she had received the contract and she said, hey, do you want a partner? And I said, sure, let's look into it. And it would have cost me an investment of something like $25,000. But I was too scared because there was no guarantees. And I said, I don't know if I should do it. And we turned it down. So... I will tell you. And now your friend's a millionaire. My friend made almost $5 million in less than a year. Ooh. Just with this little contract. So, you know, I could have had a piece of that pie. So when my friend came back, at the beginning of 2022 and said, hey, let's talk about this again. Do you want to partner? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. a much do you
0: Pretty clear lesson there.
3: <laughs>
2: I have to tell you, I did kick myself in the butt a little bit, you know, And last year when I said no. And, and I thought, well, you know, it's just part of being a, an entrepreneur. There's also the balance, right, of like, you can't be afraid to take the step. But there's also you do have to ex- examine things cautiously to make sure that this is a good fit for you.
1: Now, I um, when I talk to people who are starting out, I always say you have to understand that every offer is not an opportunity. So it is your responsibility to evaluate whether this is just an offer, which is kind of like flat two dimensional or whether this is an opportunity that can grow onto itself you know and so yeah i mean when you get a second chance though you have to jump at the second chance let me ask you the other questions that i'm that i want to know about which is you are now working with state entities right because you have to get licensing because there's curriculum that needs to be approved Can you talk about whether this is something you would encourage other Latino businesses to pursue for people who have a long-term strategy for their business? Is going that route where you're licensing from authorities, from the state, from the federal government, or subcontracting to other friends who get contracts like you also did? Is this something that you would encourage other Latinos to do?
2: Absolutely. There is an opportunity. But what I would say is... You have to know as as an entrepreneur what you enjoy, because you have to show up every single day. I'll give you an example. I don't love working with state agencies. You know, I don't love all the um, having to make sure that compliance is being met. And sometimes, you know, when you work with the government, it's just not the easiest thing, right? So there are great opportunities there. There is opportunity for growth. But ideally, for me, I want to be more of a free spirit. So we in the direction in which we're moving is away from courses that have the state compliance or that are regulated by government entities to courses that are more on a nationwide basis so that we can expand so my answer to you is do what you love and what sits well with you because there are opportunities if you just sit there and think about what you love to do what's your personality like and now that doesn't mean that everybody that you have to do everything but then you have to bring people that are really good at what you're bad at but still you are the leader of your organization. So if you hate like me dealing with, you know, compliance and government entities, don't go into a company that has that.
0: Yeah. Right? Because
2: ultimately you're the leader and you have to the buck stops with you.
0: So Laura, obviously you're doing great work. What is the future expansion?
2: We are expanding. We've been in Arizona over the last, you know, since we launched in 2015. And so, launching outside of Arizona on a national platform is our our number one goal that we're working toward right now. And then, number two, we're working on a project that is going to provide a solution for employers who are desperately shorthanded, who have the shortages. We have the staff, you know, we have the students, the graduates, and we're working on creating a solution to be able to at least relieve some of that pain that the employers are suffering. And we are partnering, uh, you know, we're working on partnering with other Elban graduates.
0: That's what it's all about, right?
2: Yeah.
0: I want to talk exactly about that. What was your experience with Elban? How has that impacted your journey as an entrepreneur?
2: What the program has done for us as an organization is It's like a PhD in entrepreneurship. I don't even want to say a master's. It's like way above that. And really in a very short period of time. So like you have to cram all this information. It's not easy, you guys. You have to make sure that you set aside the time. And then Leon is going to be on you. Like you can't (laughs) miss a day because he's going to send you that email. (laughs) Oh, you got that email too. I
1: got that email.
2: (laughs) I definitely got that email. (laughs) It's a commitment, you know, it's a commitment to yourself and your, or in your company, but the network, you know, of individuals that are part of the alumni is just invaluable.
0: We absolutely enjoyed one, having you on this podcast, but two, also having you be a part of the l program and being an alumni with all the work that you do. Here, here. So thank you so much, Lara, for sharing your story with us.
2: Thank you for the invitation. It was such a pleasure to be here, you guys. And I had so much fun.
1: You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for representing women like me and just being kick-ass. Thank you.
0: Oh, thank you for that. Julika, Laura is absolutely amazing. Yeah. What a journey. What a journey and and lessons that, that she talked about.
1: Listen, when she talked about losing a $4 million real estate portfolio...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I had to like hold myself because I don't know how you come back from that. Yeah. And then build again. That to me is such a testament to the spirit of we don't know what quitting is. We just know how to like take a take a rest, regroup, reassess, and then move on. Right? I get asked that question all the time about, well, how did you, like, decide to do this? And it sounds really simplistic, but I'm an immigrant. Like, everything in front of me is possibility. Mm -hmm. And I also accept that sometimes I'm going to fall flat on my face and I have to sit down. I have to, like, take care of my wounds, but I'm still capable of moving forward. And her story, for me, really, really exemplifies that ethos.
0: Absolutely. No, absolutely. To come back stronger to take the lessons she learned and to do it without that initial support, right? She talked about it. She lost everything and decided, Hey, I'm going to create my own thing and I'm going to pay it with whatever I can, however I can, and then built it to what she built. And and it just seems challenge after challenge. She's just overcoming that and building this amazing company that now is, is ready to go national is ready to go to, to new heights than she's ever been before.
1: Yeah. So I am totally going to start saying that my company has also taken advantage of concentric diversification. I have to practice saying that because I'm going to fumble it. But we have identified all of these needs in our industry and we continue to try and fill those needs. I just didn't know that there was a word for it.
0: Well, I have my next icebreaker. When I go to an event for, for entrepreneurs, yeah, so I just look at them and I say, so what's your concentric diversification story?
1: And they're all going to look at you like you have three heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But once you explain it, I bet you half the room has a story. I bet you. Absolutely. I bet you.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely amazing the work that Laura has done the way that she's been able to diversify her business, take new opportunities, and learning from some things that maybe she didn't take that she should have, but she's looking at how does she diversify her business and how does she create more opportunities for herself and her employees, which I think is absolutely phenomenal.
1: Thank you so much to those of you who responded to our call for your business stories. We loved getting them. And here's one of our favorites.
3: Hi, my name is Emily Rentes, owner and founder of Paragon Solstice Incorporated, a coaching and consulting company dedicated to serving individuals, businesses, and organizations along transition, transformation, and integration. And I also maintain a private practice and mental health services and training in New York. Why I started my business, as a Latina, it was very important for me to build my own legacy for myself and uh, my family and what they came to this country for. Growing a business during a pandemic has not been easy. It was very difficult to understand such a volatile market while I was still learning. You know, with that experience, I feel more confident than ever to really ride out any type of volatility in the future. You have to remember why you are doing what you're doing and remaining very humble and grateful for every opportunity of the journey.
1: To share your business story with us, record a detailed voice memo and email it to our producer, Virginia. She's at virginia at LWC Studios with an S dot com. This episode was supported by our Elban alumni founding sponsors, Winrose Vision, VND, and Fig Factor Media. Scaled, the Latino business story is produced by LWC Studios for Elban. Virginia Lora is our producer. Kojin Tashiro and Elizabeth Nakano are our mixers. Kojin Tashiro did our sound design. Olina Velasco is managing producer. To learn more about the work and research Elban is doing and their business scaling program at Stanford, please visit elban.us. That's l-b-a-n dot Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Galantigua.